When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Book Riot's annual reading challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2021 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. Read romance by trans or non-binary authors, non-European books in translation, middle-grade mysteries, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance. Uh, Everybody's favorite place to talk about romance and all the things attached to it. This is episode 77, and we are recording on Thursday, February 18th, 2021. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And I can't get this uh, image out of my mind, Jess, of all the things attached to romance. I, oh God, why'd you do that? (laughs) No, I just like have all of these like sort of (laughs) Frankenstein-esque... But like a beautiful Frankenstein. Like the, oh, ah, oh, I'm the worst. Frankenstein's monster. I'm, oh, this is a book podcast and I need to just get it together. But all of that to say that image will now live in my mind for at least the next few days. Okay. Well, I'm I'm happy to, to give you a nice Frankenstein's monster creature of uh, hopefully books and floral things and maybe some... Arms and legs in weird places. I don't know. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. That's basically it. (laughs) Uh, What do we have to talk about today? Oh, we have actually a lot of things to talk about. So I will stop distracting us with discussions of Frankenstein's creature or Frankenstein or things that are attached to anything. Just we'll do a quick, before we get into our first ad, we'll do a quick note. Uh, Valentine's Day coverage was actually not terrible this year, which we'll get into in a second. But the first thing that happened, the first thing, many things happened on Valentine's Day. One of the first ones was that the second annual Ripped Bodice Award winners were announced. Yes, they were. And it was an exciting list of books, a good combination of uh, traditionally published and self-published people of color, queer people, all all the things. And for the folks that don't maybe remember, the way that the Rip Bodice Awards, Jess knows this way better than I do because she was a judge last year. So <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm in over my depth here, but it is just a list of winners. They just list, I think it's 12 books. They say these are the 2020 winners. And there's, so there's not, it's not a best contemporary, best historical, best novella, but like, which some of those awards can be great also, but it's almost kind of nice to just say, here are the 12 books that should be on your TBR. Yes, it's nice because you're not sort of limited to those categories. If your top 
10 books are all contemporary, all historical, all novella, all 500 pages, which, whichever way it works, then those are your favorites, or those are the best to you. And uh, that's all she wrote. And, you know, there was, I, I remember looking at the judges list when they announced the, you know, way back when they started, and it, it's a good crop of folks. And they, like, basically just read everything that comes out. Like, when I was a judge, I basically limited myself to only 2019 releases so that I could make sure I was reading enough to get a good coverage of what was coming out that year. Um, so these are these are well-read people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And our own Silvana Reyes was one of the judges. She's lovely and wonderful. And yeah, reads more romance than like I can even conceptualize. Conceptualize, right? It's just like... <laughs> yeah. I will actually... I'm making myself a note to link to her Twitter account in the show notes. I think it's Book Voyagers or The Book Voyagers. Because if you... Like, of all kinds, Jess, like indie, like mainstream. I know there are other kinds in that, but boy, she just... She's so... Yeah. yeah she reads... Yeah, so many romances. So... And also, she's just lovely and delightful. So that's a little bit of a tangent. But she was one of the judges. Uh, we, and we'll link to the full list in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. I have read maybe four or five of these. I still have still have a few to go, but but it is it's always nice to have those books to add to your to your TBR. Absolutely, and I have some that are on my TBR that I just haven't gotten to yet. So I'm excited to to get get to those it and know that they are you know some of the best of the year. Indeed. And actually, at least one of these is going to come up later. That's what we call a teaser, everybody. Uh. <laughs> We're going to talk about other Valentine's Day coverage in just a second. But before we do, Jess, do you want to do a, an ad spot? Why don't we? So we are grateful today for um, support from Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, meaning you, Insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair a post from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, exclusive podcasts, our epic book club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Insiders.bookriot.com. And just as an aside, I gotta tell you, those remixed episodes are such fun to do. If it's any, any impetus, you get to hear me and another writer talk about, what was it? Animated Disney movies, because we both love them very much. Yes. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk with you about that on this podcast. <laughs> we'll come back to it. We'll come it's back a whole to thing. It. I have a backstory. But yeah, no, those are super fun. And I think mine have, some of mine have been about travel. Others have been about, uh, a lot of them have been travel. I haven't done one yet this year, but yeah, no, they are super fun. And it's, it's obviously, I adore doing this podcast with you, Jess, but it is kind of fun to learn about some of the other rioters kind of styles and how they prepare for things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Anyway, so okay, so in addition to the Ribotis Awards, we were I we were talking a little bit before we started recording that three years ago, because as a reminder, we've been doing this for three years. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how frustrating it is that the romance coverage that happens during the week of Valentine's Day is like basically for a lot of publications the only romance coverage that they ever do Mm -hmm. and it feels increasingly like that's not the case and in a few different places this year you know there was just some focus on actual romance what it means and frankly a lot of focus on beverly jenkins which i will always be here for always absolutely always yeah there was a really great review of wild rain which was actually written by our fellow writer carol Yeah. And it was just wonderful to go to a New York Times page and just see respectful, thoughtful, thorough writing about a romance novel, its background, and its place in the setting of the romance world. Like, that was just, (laughs) like... (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's wonderful and also a little bit bananas because... And it shouldn't be. But two and a half years ago, we were talking about the ridiculousness of the way that the New York Times was covering romance. Mm -hmm. And now they are doing it in a way that is just, it's much more knowledgeable about the genre and I think respectful of the importance of the genre and where it sits. And thankfully, also acknowledging the importance of diverse and inclusive romance, which right now I think is sort of the the beating heart of what romance is. So, yes. yeah. And we're holding you to that New York Times because we all remember Oh, we remember. that burning. The North remembers and we are watching. <laughs> yes, we absolutely remember. And I will link to um Carol Bell's Twitter account as well. So, yeah, someone else who is just as just mentioned another writer and who is um just wonderful and incredibly knowledgeable and actually was on an episode of the Code Switch podcast from NPR, also talking about Black romance, Black experiences in romance, and kind of, uh, boy, it's just really worth digging into, even if you're not a podcast person, or even if you've never listened to Code Switch. It's just a celebration of Black history in romance. And Karen Grigsby Bates, oh my who is part of this episode, has talked multiple times about romance on NPR. This podcast, I think I've heard her on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Um, she talked with it was Talia Hibbert and, oh gosh, I feel terrible. I can't remember the other romance author this summer for a really great profile there. So there's the uh, Black History uh, Code Switch podcast, which we will link to. And then also, Karen Grigsby Bates also interviewed Beverly Jenkins. <laughs> yep. Which is like the best. This is, so This is her year. It's, you know, <laughs> exactly. Well, and she, you know, she did have Wild Rain coming out that week. But Beverly Jenkins should not need any excuse to be interviewed by everyone all the time. Oh, no, not at all. So, yeah, so we will link. You can either listen to that interview or there is a sort of um, edited transcript of the interview on the NPR website as well. So we will certainly link to that. But, yeah, isn't it nice that we, instead of having to talk about how terrible the coverage is, get to talk about how good the coverage is? Absolutely. And these are just highlights. There were some other things that I definitely came across a lot of like, books to read based on your favorite rom com. And of course, there's plenty of things that are linked back to Bridgerton. Because if you've got a property that people know, 
you're gonna use it. <laughs> um, but yep, that's not to say that those were not good as well. I'm just, you know, never mind. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, yeah, well, we'll we can stop there. That's fine. <laughs> I think if any if people have been listening, they know about the feelings. And if you don't, you know what? I will re-link uh, to Jess's post uh, on Book Riot about Bridgerton as well. Because if you have not read it, you should. And if you haven't read it twice, <laughs> now is the time. So we'll link to that also. Speaking of Jess and all of her wisdom, do you, do you want to talk a little bit, Jess, about uh, a next another topic that we have? Sure. Let's just get right into it. So... I have been thinking about this month, February, the shortest month of the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Black History Month, which is a time during which many people focus on Black creators and Black thought and ideas. And I will always be the first to say that Black History Month is every month, blah, blah, blah. But there is something particularly compelling about thinking about being Black across history in February when everyone is sort of focused on the concept and every brand is celebrating Black History Month in some way and there are all of these documentaries and new movies coming out and all of that kind of thing. And I have been sitting on the idea of romance being so important to discuss in Black History Month, romance by Black authors about Black people because of this idea of being Black in history. And, you know, with things like um, Judas and the Black Messiah coming out and thinking about all of our ideas of elementary school, we learn about all of the Black firsts and the inventors. And then in high school, all we learn about is trauma. So... Remembering that Black people lived throughout history and were able to experience joy and connecting romance with engaging with Black joy is like something that's really important to me. And I just wanted to talk about it a little bit in a very roundabout rambling way. No, I don't think it's roundabout or rambling at all. I think it's something that should be important to all of us. And I will say up front 100% I am not a black woman I am a white woman I have read probably more books by black authors in the romance genre than any other genre that I have read which is a, a probably a shortcoming of mine I should probably meet read more roundly I just read a lot of romance <laughs> but I also I think I don't know from where I sit for whatever it's worth I I think your point is a really good one Jess and I think you know I had a, a discussion on Instagram with a, a listener of ours who whose book club had recently decided to read romance. And that person was concerned because they had seen some toxic language and discussion around romance from people who don't generally read it. And one of the things that we, you know, talked a little bit about was the fact that if romance is the only genre in which people from all different kinds of places can find joy and happy endings and love, and people are so closed off to it. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Like, what does it mean that we are ignoring that? And I think, I think it it might have offered a little bit of food for thought for for that book club. I think it is important for all of us to think about. And you know, we've said before on this podcast, it's really important to read all different kinds of stories about all different kinds of people, so that you can 
learn more about those experiences. And in that way, own voices stories are incredibly important because you need to hear and listen to and read those perspectives while realizing that they will never be your own if you don't well for for someone like me right like a um there's there's plenty of stories uh in the bookish world that are my own because i am a white person mm-hmm. but like i think it's important for all of us and particularly for those of us who are white who are not in history classes or literature classes or social studies classes exposed enough to experiences outside of our own to read the full spectrum of experience in all cultures and i think you're 100% right that I don't think I had read a story about Black Joy in any historical book of any kind until I started reading romance. And I was in my 30s. Yeah. And I studied history. So that is appalling and terrible. Yeah. And it's pretty common, in, especially in the US, from my own experience and from, you know, vaguely empirical anecdotal data that I have acquired just from, you know, talking to people who are alive. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've sort of had this push in the past, um, especially the past 18 months. But more than that, uh, I think a few years at least, in the, the greater society of progressive, knowledgeable people about exposing ourselves to black joy especially because like when black panther came out for example in 2017 it came out in 2017 trisha that that, it was that long that can't be true (laughs) i mean i believe you because i know how smart you are and how much you know but that can't be true well i that was okay no i'm sure you're right i just because it came out in like march but no yeah okay i know the only reason i know is because this is the day in 2017 that I went to see it because it was in my Facebook memories. Oh my gosh, it came out in February? It came out in February. Of course it wow. did. Everything comes out in February if it's about black people, Trisha. Oh my god, you're right and it's terrible. Oh, we have a lot of work to do. We do. As a society. We do. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I say we, I mean mostly Mostly white people, but yes, I just, I, okay, we're going to keep working on it. But in the meantime, (laughs) and I think your point is a great one, Jess, that there are some really wonderful books that, and this is the thing that always, oh, I know I rant about this and I'm going to do it just very briefly again. But the thing that kind of makes me a little bonkers about this is that people feel like they're some kind of a martyr for reading outside of their experience. Mm -hmm. These books are fantastic. They're so good. Mm -hmm. They have to be so good because we make marginalized populations work so much harder to get their books published like i uh anyway there are a lot of really great books about love and romance and joy and black history yes there are and you know we've already talked about her like five times in the past 20 minutes or whatever but if you have not read beverly jenkins you have 25 years worth of published books to dig through to experience the way that she just writes amazing, joyful Black people in history. People who lived during enslavement, people who lived after enslavement, and they're all just 
so like I can't say they're all amazing because I still have a very large Beverly Jenkins backlist because I am saving them. Um, and I, I know there are there are a few of us who do that. It's just like maybe read one or two a year just to keep it going, but always have more just to so that there's always one to read. And I I have heard people mention that Beverly Jenkins is occasionally hard to read in part because sometimes her books can be kind of dense. I acknowledge that. And sometimes they feel like they're just like history lessons wrapped in story, which I love. I am like fascinated by understanding how people lived in times that are not now. And one thing that Miss Bev has done has just like, give me really interesting day to day information that I never learned in any level of school. Like, I remember reading one of her books, and it was like, so people boycotted cotton clothing and sugar during the abolition movement because they were slave-connected products, and they did not want to have any link or give any money to the slave trade. Like, nobody ever taught me that in school. And I went to schools that were actually kind of focused on making sure that the majority Black students understood their history. Not very thoroughly, but relatively well. Um, so just like the little the little things. Yeah, like I have said before, and I will say forever, they should teach Beverly Jenkins in school. Like people would remember their history a hundred times better if they were reading it in a Beverly Jenkins novel. Like for sure. But also, it's still incredibly accessible and fun to read. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, I know. Like, like, that is the magic of Beverly Jenkins. It is both educational and delightful to read. Yep. And I actually think I did a disservice to Indigo by her, because when I talked, I had recommended it over and over again. And I think, I don't remember, and I don't want to misrepresent your reading experience, Jess, but I think when you did read it, it it starts with a very high level of like angst and anxiety mm-hmm. and then drops fairly quickly down from that and there still is stress and anxiety a little bit throughout the book but i i don't think i did a good job of sort of preparing people reading that book for the fact that it does start at like a 10 <laughs> and then drops down to like a 4 and then occasionally bumps up again to like a 6 but like it stays low and so i I don't think I fully appreciated the impact that that might have on readers and especially black readers. But if I were recommending a book for people to start with, I think it would either be that or maybe Forbidden. I don't know. What do you think? I do really love Forbidden. I've I really enjoyed Indigo. I will say that reading the beginning, I thought there was some foreshadowing that was going to happen and that event didn't happen. So I was really grateful for that because I'm not sure how well I would have been able to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And those two are great to start out with. Well, then we'll start there. If, you are, if you're looking for a place to be, and actually, we might have a, I'll take a quick look. If we've got a book riot, like Reading Pathways, like Guide to Beverly Jenkins, then I will, actually, did you write one, Jess? I am not sure if I wrote one. I don't think I did. Yeah, I feel like somebody did. Someone had okay. to have. <laughs> you would certainly think so. Um, I will take a look and see. And if it's, if it does end up being Jess, then I will chuckle to myself. And laugh at me openly next time we talk. 
I mean, for sure, yeah. And if not, eat crow openly uh, the next time we talk about how wrong I was. <laughs> another historical author, particularly a black romance that we've talked about, it, is Alyssa Cole, who also, she's another one that you can just sort of give the blanket endorsement of. In part, one of the best things about her is because it, one of the best things about her books is that they are in different chapters of history, mm-hmm. right? Like there's Let It Shine, which is civil rights era. Uh, there is a book that she wrote that is more in like the 1920s. There's obviously her um, series that she wrote that is Civil War era, if I'm not misremembering. Mm-hmm. But the one that I will sort of flag for folks that might be of interest is uh, That Could Be Enough by Alyssa Cole. And this one's a novella. It reads fairly quickly. Um, and it takes place in the early-ish 1800s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a romance between two women one of whom is working in fashion and, and design, and the other is a servant in the Hamilton household, uh, which sounds a little strange, but it's because it was part of a um, trilogy of, of novellas that all came out together, sort of focused on on Hamilton. I was telling just before we started recording, it's hard to describe this book because it's just nice. <laughs> it just like, it feels nice. Like, um, there's this this maid to Eliza Hamilton, and uh, she has to do interviews for Mrs. Hamilton and and try to, like, Mrs. Hamilton is very, like, devoted to Alexander's life and legacy. And there's a lot to that. You should, there's a whole musical about it, actually. You might want to check that out. <laughs> Something to think about. But, like, they have just very different styles and they're at very different places in their level of kind of, not even sexuality, but just sort of, like, comfort with affection mm-hmm. and sexuality and it's just a really lovely book that, to me, and again, I'm reading this as a white reader, it feels like it, it is written about Black joy and not grief mm. or trauma. And I think that is, and Alyssa Cole is always just wonderful. So I would flag that could be enough, but really any Alyssa Cole book you pick up, you're not going to go wrong. And, and you know, I'm going to support that. She, hers was also the first book I ever picked up that had a Black person living prior to American slavery. Like, oh, yeah. Um, Agnes Moore's Wild Night is set in yeah. the court of James II, I think. So it's set in Britain. Oh, I couldn't even, he even told you it was a James. <laughs> so. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> and I read it long enough ago that I actually don't remember anything about it. And I just thought about mentioning it. So apologies. But if you really want to check it out, then I would recommend it. And it's very short. So. And there will be a link in the show notes. Yes, there will. You know, you mentioned um, Let It Shine, which is set in the civil rights era. And that was for a very long time the only romance that I had ever read set during the civil rights movement. But actually, right after watching Judas and the Black Messiah, I decided to pick up a book that I had bought um, a couple weeks before called Confessions in B-flat by Donna Hill. And Donna Hill is a prolific writer. I think it's been a few years since she last published a book. But in the years previous to that, she has she wrote a lot of stuff. But I had actually never read one of her books before. And Confessions in B-flat is a romance between two civil rights activists. But one is in the Malcolm camp, and one is in the Martin camp. And they have differing views on 
how to progress the movement. And that's the setting of this book. Oh, wow. So I was like, yes, I need to I need to do this. Um, and I will add the caveat that first, I haven't finished it yet, because I have been having a little trouble reading this week. And second, there are a few th- errors in the text that pulled me out of the story. But they're mostly just kind of like little continuity things and one wrong spelling. Um, if you can read through those things, I think the like character development and the setting as place and like just the whole concept of it is just so fascinating enough that I plan to keep reading um, unless they spell Bayard Rustin's name wrong again. But <laughs> Donahill is just you know, errors aside, like a very compelling writer, and I'm super into the time period. And once again, it's like a time that I'm not familiar with as far as day to day goes. So it's really interesting to just read it in that kind of scenario. So when I'm done, I'll tell you how I like it. But I am fascinated so far. And I will offer two more recs both of which I have enjoyed so far. One of them, The Preacher's Promise by Piper Hughley, I've read a couple of times, actually, and uh, really enjoy. And I just started, I know I'm late to the game, (laughs) don't at me. I just started A Duke, the Lady, and a Baby by Vanessa Riley, which came out last year to uh, significant acclaim. (laughs) And I think the thing that both of these books have in common is that they, in addition to being stories about Black romance and black joy. And in the case of the Vanessa Riley book, I'm just kind of assuming that there comes to be joy because we're not there yet <laughs> in the part where I am. But since it's romance, I'm placing my faith. Um, so, so there is that focus and there is that ending. But they also don't shy away from being very frank about the terrible, mm-hmm. horrific treatment that black people and black women in particular had to deal with in the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. In The Preacher's Promise by Piper Hughley, uh, Amanda is, she has to leave her home because her father has died and has apparently died in debt to his business partner who is the creepiest, <laughs> grossest dude. That is an understatement, but like know that he's a real gross guy. Uh, and so she goes to take a teaching job in Milford, Georgia, So she goes, I think, from Ohio to Georgia, um, and she ends up in sort of a marriage of convenience with the mayor. Um, There is a Christian element to this book. Um, It is closed-door romance, and all of the things that we have talked about with the other books is true. Like, it's a love story, and they fall in love, and there is a lot of joy in it. But again, there's kind of not a shying away. Like, readers like I am, who are white, like, do not have the uh, unfortunate luxury of of sort of looking away from all of that. It's very frank. And I think that's really important for a lot of us who were not exposed to that kind of history. In a similar way, again, I have not, um, I'm probably only about a third of the way through A Duke, The Lady and a Baby by Vanessa Riley. But that's a, it's a story about a woman who's, you know, from the West Indies and her husband, she marries an English duke, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> because partly because of the name of the book (laughs) and he dies from suicide and she loses they they kind of take everything from her Mm -hmm. they cast her out of the house she has a newborn baby that she is not allowed to see and so she's trying to find her way back in and again i'm i'm banking on the fact that there's the happy ever after here because it's romance and i can do that but 
it's the kind of thing where you're reading about this woman who is separated from her child and it's horrifying and you recognize that even in the face of that, you know, that there is, there can be joy, like more than one thing can be true, like something can be absolutely terrible and unjustified and a, a horrific crime against this woman. And she still is able to have a happy ever after, again, assuming that that's how it is. <laughs> so again, that's a Duke, the lady and a baby. And we'll link to that one in the show notes too. And that that actually brings up a good point. I think it was when, oh gosh, there was a anthology composed of books. It was either the one that Let It Shine was in or the one that Let Us Dream was in. So either Juneteenth or the suffragette movement. And one of the authors, I can't remember if it was Alyssa or one of the other authors involved, made an important note that people would say, well, why are you writing a romance during this time when everything was horrible? And they said, you know, writing romance, setting a romance, a love story with a happily ever after in a time period where everything is awful is even more important because it shows that there could be joy. Yeah. And I am not even going to try to improve upon that. So thank you for for mentioning this, Jacinth, for um, leading the discussion. I think it's important for all of us. And so we appreciate it. And in an incredibly (laughs) ungraceful transition, I will do our last um, ad spot and then we will... We'll do one last kind of segment and we'll we'll go from there. And this episode is also brought to you by Book Riot's Newsletters Exclamation Point. There's an exclamation point in my notes and I want you to know it. <laughs> Did you know Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre, as well as book news and deals? Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, our daily newsletter summing up the most interesting headlines from the book world. You can get Riot Rundown, our roundup of the new content going up on bookriot.com every day, or our new books, exclamation point, newsletter that compiles a list of the week's most exciting new releases and comes to you every Tuesday. We've also got newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, (laughs) kissing books, (laughs) YA lovers, mystery and thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash newsletters to sign up for the newsletters that are most interesting to you. That's bookriot.com slash newsletters. All right, Jess, I feel like I have to just full on come out and mention that our last segment comes as a result of a confession. (laughs) because. I'm Catholic, so confession comes fairly easily to me, for better or worse. <laughs> uh, my confession is this. Jess mentioned in a Book Riot Slack something probably two or three weeks ago, something wonderful about how great The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan is. And I had to confess to Jess that I had not been able to finish it. I kept kind of reading a chapter and then putting it down and then not picking it up and putting it down. And I felt Terrible, because I love Courtney Milan, and I know that Jess is always right about books, <laughs> and she's been talking about how great it is for, like, six months. <laughs> and I, the guilt was just crushing me, like, a lot. And so I told Jess, I was like, I have to tell you, I'm having 
a really hard time. And because Jess is wise and wonderful, she said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not especially plot driven. So if that's kind of, you know, your thing, you might be, you know, having a harder time. She said it much more eloquently than that. And I, it was like the heavens opened and a light shone down on me. Because I did not even realize that that was my holdup. I think my inclination is to read books that are very plot driven, especially if I'm trying to read them quickly or like if it's just kind of, you know, you kind of get through it and it's like action and like, oh, this person got kidnapped or this person got broken up with and then their brother walked in on them making out or like whatever, like all these action things happen and there's twists and turns and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't realize, maybe I'm the only one, I didn't realize that when a book is not as plot driven, I have to approach it differently. Mm. So once I realized that that was kind of my hang up with The Duke Who Didn't by Courtney Milan, I finally figured out like, oh, I actually can really enjoy this book. I just have to think about it differently. And I I didn't actually feel that dumb because I know people just read different books in different ways. But it was kind of astonishing to me that just honestly, that never occurred to me. And, you know, it took me a while for me to realize how important it is in certain situations because I can tell when I'm not into a book because there isn't much happening. But I also have moments where I can't get into a book because there's too much happening all at once. And it's one thing when it's a novella that's tightly plotted and moving at like quick choppy pace. But when there's a plot driven book that is just like all plot, then I have trouble grasping onto it almost as much as there are books that have very little plot that um, you might have trouble grasping onto. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> especially because The Duke Who Didn't is not a short book. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. like the the ones that I have enjoyed historically that aren't as heavily plot driven are actually a little shorter. Like I was thinking about Rebecca Weatherspoon's indie books, like Mm. Rafe and Zenny don't particularly have a whole lot of story happening, but I love them yeah. because the relationships are there. And like, that's the kind of thing that I'm drawn to in that kind of situation. Yeah, that's yeah. It's so funny to have this conversation because I'm like, oh, this is also why I watch a lot of Michael Bay movies. <laughs> like this is okay. This is how my brain works. And I just have to adjust. Yeah, that's a great comparison and once we started talking about it a little bit i also realized like a lot of cat sebastian's books i'm thinking you know in particular of the sedgwick series Mm -hmm. and we talked uh a a few times last year i think about two rogues make a right and it's it's absolutely the same thing it's just about the character development and i think for me one of the things that makes that series kind of fulfilling despite being more sort of character despite being and also (laughs) being more character uh, focused as opposed to plot focused is that it's a series right Mm -hmm. like you get some continuation on it's almost like the plot of one you know highly plotted book is drawn out over the course of three Mm -hmm. right like you kind of get a and it's more sort of satisfying in that way i actually felt that way i don't think i can underrepresent how sort of life-changing this revelation has been. Because I finally re-picked up Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne, which I was reading last year at the gym when everything shut down, and then I haven't been to the gym since. And I, if I was really into it, I would have picked it up again. And so I finally was like, oh, wait, maybe this is also that kind of book. Mm-hmm. And I will say I have now since finished Love Lettering, and there's a 
pretty significant plot situation that happens like 80% of the way through the book. <laughs> but beyond that, I was, Jess, I swear to you, I was like, I read the first 20% of it or whatever, and I was all, why? Oh, my God, they're talking about letters again. <laughs> they're talking about letters and words, and now they're talking about numbers as if that makes it more interesting. <laughs> Here's the thing. Once I finally gave this book another shot with the perspective of, hey, settle down, Trisha. <laughs> like, this is not the kind of book that you were expecting. I loved it. I was completely immersed in it and like thinking about it after I put it down and it's wonderful and delightful. And I, it's like I've, I have a whole new door open to me in terms of the kinds of romances that I can enjoy. And I am delighted for you because like Trisha will tell you that this is written in um, all, not all caps, but capital case in our, um, our little show notes document. This is why I read fan fiction. (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I'm actually a little surprised it's not all caps and just cap case. And it's just it, like this is that, that's the title of my memoir. This is why I read fan fiction because the character development and the relationships are front and center, and other elements that might be kind of plot like are just sort of helping to move the story along so that the relationship can develop and build, and so that the people who you you have a familiarity with already, so you don't have to like get too much into their character background. You're just watching them sort of grow and become real people again. Um, And I will say that I find it a lot easier at the moment to read like 200,000 word fix where nothing happens. Okay, things happen, obviously, otherwise they couldn't be 200,000 words. But like where there isn't like sort of like story arc with a climax and a denouement, then I can like any size actual book right now. It's kind of interesting. But I think it's it's in part because I'm just sort of sitting there like burying myself into characters instead of trying to like wait for something to happen. See, and three weeks ago, Trisha would have said, but what happens if no one finds a ghost <laughs> or gets kidnapped or accidentally ends up in one hotel room because they're secretly pretending to be the girlfriend of someone who has to go to their high school reunion. <laughs> but now I realize, Jess, that's not all the books are about. Nope. So so this is a part confession to Jess and all of you, and part request, because now that this door has been opened to me, if all of you have books that are not necessarily plot-driven, but still really kind of captured your interest in whatever way and for whatever reason, please let me know. I don't want to cut you off, Jess, but if if you have nothing to, to nothing more to say about my my new revelation, I will tell people how to contact us. Why don't you go ahead and do that? All right, let me. Partly, I'm just very desperate for these recommendations. <laughs> send me a note. Send us a note, and I will read it at oneinromance at bookriot.com. Or do feel free to send me a note. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. I've been on Twitter a little bit, but uh, at the same name. But Instagram is probably better. Or like I said, oneinromance at bookriot.com. Or if you don't trust me, email Jess. <laughs> I mean, be like, wow, what is wrong with Trisha? You can email me at the same place and I'll read it and make sure that Trisha does too. Or you yeah. can find yeah. me <laughs> on the socials as well. Um, at Jess's Reading on Twitter, which is where I spend half of my life. And at <laughs> Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram, where I spend maybe another third. Okay. All right. That's reasonable. And I will say this. Oh, our wonderful sort of, 
I don't even know. I just think of her as like the benevolent ruler of all podcasts. <laughs> Jen Northington from Book Riot read us and sent us some of the wonderful reviews that a couple of folks had left on Apple Podcasts. And it was lovely and delightful. Yes. So um, if you would not mind reading and reviewing the podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, it really does help folks find the show. And it adds a little bit of joy to our week. Uh, so please feel free to do that. And a huge thanks, as always, to the wonderful, also benevolent <laughs> and kind. I've got like four notes for Jen Zink, our audio editor, who is so generous and kind to us. So thanks to, to Jen as well. Thanks, Jen. All right. And uh, I think we've covered plenty this this time around. Yeah, we crammed a lot in there. So uh, happy 77th episode. Happy yes. 77th episode. A good round number for a good round episode. And uh, for those of you who are, in the meantime, happy reading. Stay warm and happy reading, everybody. 